Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm so excited to be with you today, and I'm sitting in my office, um, and I'm soon to go outside and enjoy some sunshine. But for right now, I have a fan blowing over top of me and a fan blowing at my feet. And the weather is just warm and toasty outside. And people are walking their dogs in my neighborhood. The summer and flowers are in full bloom. And so I wanted to just spend a little time um, to talk about mediumship and what it feels like in the intuitive business. And then to provide an example of a beautiful woman, um, 80 years young, that just met her mother for the first time this Mother's Day. And she has a little share about the experience of meeting her mom. So that will be attached at the end of this podcast. So I'm so excited because um, a lot of times I get this question what does it feel like to be a medium? And I've never said that out loud, that admitting that I am a medium, and I am. In my Align Your Business, I don't necessarily advertise that I'm a medium for several reasons, and I'll discuss them. Most of the work that I do is with individuals in the Akashic Records. But the Akashic Records are basically a database of your soul connected to divine source, that infinite space where there's all possibilities of truth, love, and, and wisdom. Mediumship is a different skill set, but it's still in the ethereal plane. So it feels different to connect to the Akashic Records than it does mediumship, as well as I talked about spoon bending and stuff like that. Manipulating energy in the ethereal field feels differently. So I get this question a lot, like, how does it feel? Can you talk me through the experience? And I thought, wow, that would maybe be fun to, to try to do. <laughs> so here we go. I shared with last the last podcast, which was called The Last Laugh, how the very first time that I ever experienced mediumship, I was about 12 weeks into talking to angels and guides. This is a true story. And I had just learned how to connect with angels and guides. And then um, I lost my mother and I did a reading for my Uncle Ralph um, with my mother and I didn't know if it was right or true, um, although, as I said in the last episode, there was definitely some proof and validation that came afterwards. But this is a big responsibility um, for any human being to have to say that they can connect with your loved ones, because usually the people, if you advertise for mediumship, is, let's face it, we we miss our loved ones when they leave us, even if we know that we're going to be with them again someday. We want them here with us now, which by the way, they are. <laughs> Just ask, they're here. And yes, you can have a conversation with them. One of the things that I realized is when I record this podcast, I use something called GarageBand and it gives rhythms and beats, and then it shows your soundtrack and your voice rhythm. And so it almost looks like a lie detector test. There's little rhythms of your voice recorded. So there's big lines and small, small lines, and then blank lines when I stop talking. That truly is exactly what I'm connecting with, is vibration. 
So the first thing when you're doing a reading, sometimes you're not reading language like, you know, our ABCs, our alphabet, this is a word that you're hearing right now. <clears throat> That's not how they communicate. They communicate in my head and through my head. And I can feel the vibrational connection. And so for me, what I do is I close my eyes when I connect and I feel I, I feel into the person's energy. It really does help if I have a picture. For me, I've learned if I have a picture, I can just say so much more. And if I'm looking through the theoretical field, however, <laughs> that being said, in many of the business meeting or business readings I've had for Align Your Business, um, there's different people that they're like a special guardian, I should say, comes in to help them with their business. And it's often a relative that's left them that had a significant impact on their life or was one of their mentors in this lifetime. I know um, my father, I believe, always stays with my daughter because he just loved her endlessly. And she was two years old and when he passed, um, and he just loved her so much that when he left this earth, I remember I had said my dad was in the hospital. And all of these little stories are going to be important to kind of formulate uh, what it's like to read uh, and experience spirit energy. So I'd said goodbye to my father in the hospital and he was passing and the nurse said that. And I stayed with my mom until the end, but with my dad, there was something in my heart. My dad was always so strong and so protective and I just couldn't bear it. So I didn't stay. Um, my sister was with him and then I was with my mom. So I think we picked turns on this in this lifetime of who we were going to support in passing. And so I got a phone call after I left the hospital, I came home and my daughter was sleeping on the left side of a room. It was like a great room in the basement of my mom and dad's home. It was beautiful, big daylight basement. And we had a very simple house, but it did feel quite spacious for as small as the home was. So we were downstairs and my husband was holding her on the couch to my left. And this couch was awful. I can't believe my mom let it come into the house. It was, it had pheasants. So it was a cream background with rust colored pheasants and brown. I still can't believe it was in our house because of my mom. <laughs> so anyways, my husband's holding my daughter and it was a very traumatic time. Um, this is 30 years ago. And I was sitting by the doorway that left the room and it was an, you know, an open doorway and there were, there was no windows or doors that were open or anything like that. And we weren't even close by any windows and doors. Um, I was in, kind of in the middle central part of the house and I was sitting there and, um, all of a sudden I almost felt like. Like if you take your hand right now and like run it through your face, like by your face, and you know how you feel that gentleness of the wind? I felt that on my right cheek. And then I smelled something and they say smell is the most distinct thing that we have. And it was my father's breath the last time I hugged him. He felt like his breath was bad. It wasn't, but it was a very distinct smell. And he's like, oh honey, don't kiss me. Like don't hug me. And I'm like, dad, I just drove five and a half hours to be with you. I'm going to hug you. And, um, and honestly, when I think about it, that was the last, um, hug and kiss I had for my sweet dad. He was so cool. So he adored my daughter so much that, um, I smell this and I feel the air hit my right cheek and I could feel the movement of it going to my left. And I turned my head to look. And of course, that's where my daughter was laying on my husband's arm sleeping. And I thought, that's so weird. And then the phone rang and my sister said, Candy, daddy um, passed about, about 10 minutes ago. 
And I remember it was about 3.30 in the afternoon because that's exactly when my mom's soap opera used to play, The Love of Life. <laughs> my dad, he hated that soap opera so much. I don't think he hated the soap opera. Maybe he did. But um, sorry, Love of Life. I, I don't think it's on anymore. But what he he just hated that hour that my mom spent watching it. And so... I kind of think probably knowing my dad's sense of humor, <laughs> it was his intentional moment of leaving, but he didn't want to go and leave my little girl. And so I think he kissed her goodbye and I think he stays with her. So he came to me through sense of smell. So there's different senses that you can have. And even the wind, there was no air, there was no breeze and there was no way to even create a breeze. Like I have the breeze going on my feet right now with the fan, but it, it wasn't like that. And then the smell was very distinct, but I didn't know, like I knew in that moment, but I didn't know how to connect completely. Uh, at the time I don't, I wasn't using my intuition. I hadn't connected with it in order to utilize it. We all have intuition. It's just learning that connector, like what it feels like once connected. That's the most important first step. And the second thing is to be open. And I think the third thing is to have an open heart, like I had said in the other podcast. So today, I'm going to explain a little bit how it feels in my body. And this has taken some time to learn Um this process in my body about how it feels. So when I first start uh, my mediumship, I don't think I shared this story in the other podcast, but my girlfriend said, if you can read the Akashic records, why can't you talk to my dad? And she tricked me <laughs> and she uh, had me over. She had an empty chair uh, and she had three cups of coffee and she had something for me. I don't really drink coffee much. Um, and she said, okay, Candy, sit down. And I said, are we getting a guest? <laughs> like, I think we had cookies to her or something. And she said, hey, dad, pull up a sharp rock and talk to us, which meant her dad, because she really thought if I could read the Akashic records, then I should be able to talk to spirit, which is really two different skill sets. <clears throat> but her passion and her belief in me, actually what was kind of cool is she believed that I could do this so strongly. So as soon as I opened my mouth to say to her, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Before I opened my mouth, I heard somebody and I'm trying to think which part of my head that, that came through. I heard somebody in the front part of my head that's where he came through and I could see him. So I had a visual connection with him and he showed himself quite young. Now spirits, I think he died in his 80, the spirit that my girlfriend was trying to connect with. Her father had cancer and passed in his 80s and she just adored him. And as soon as he came through, he, I could see him visually and he showed himself maybe as a, not quite like maybe in this beginning of his thirties, like 28 to 30. He was very um, attractive, very young, very thick hair, very slim. And so if you ever think, oh, I'm having a medium reading and this person is not describing my parents, sometimes depending on however they work, it's nice to have a picture because um, when I looked at pictures of this gentleman, I'm going to call him John. And when I looked at pictures of John, um, he was, he, this is, that's what he looked like. He showed me his highest and best self. <laughs> um, so, so he came through like that. He came through like in my front temple. I just felt him and I could feel, almost feel like him set in. So I felt almost like a little pressure. And then he didn't physically speak, but somehow inside of my body, I could feel his words. So when I'm doing mediumship, I'm not hearing specific words. I'm feeling them. So if you hear the word love... 
it elicits a feeling inside of you, the vibration. If you use the word hate, like feel that inside of you. So take a deep breath in, feel love. Okay, now shake your hands. Now feel the word hate. Do you see the difference? Like it, like it put pressure in my heart to say hate. So somehow, and I'm not sure how I can figure all of that out, but all of this goes together, this vibration, this feeling. So you know basically a way that people are trying to communicate with you. Like, oh, they love you. They're so happy to see you. You can feel their joy. And then in the mix of these feelings, these pulsations of feelings in my body, I also have like um, quick visions, like a spurt of a vision or an image of something. And so my role as a medium is to put all these pieces together really rapidly. Here's the biggest trick. Right now you're thinking, how the heck does all that go together? That's the part that you take out of the process. You can't think about it. (laughs) You just feel and you keep trusting and believing because spirit is all around us. So I'm sitting here right now watching these beats go bigger and smaller and then these lines of no talking. And that's really in essence what I believe spirit does when they communicate. They send these rhythms and waves and then vision and then somehow the picture comes together for me. And I also think part of it is experience. Like I kind of know what way spirit goes when I, when I see it. So um, you know, you, they're usually super excited to see somebody. So I know that's probably the first thing that we're going to go to is, oh my gosh, they can hear me. Or there's the other spirit that is called and they look at me and say, I don't want to talk to you. So I want to talk about them too. So many times, um, and, and it's, it's frequent. I literally have to make a relationship with the other spirit and their belief system while they lived on this earth doesn't believe in people like me. How many of those people do you know that don't believe in spirits and connections? So, um, that's what they say to me too. (laughs) You would think being that they are somewhere else, um, but they still sometimes will hold that to me. They'll say, Hmm, I don't really I don't really believe in this, or I don't really want to talk to you, meaning me, usually never the person that's there. So what I say next is I, I connect with them and I say, hi. And cause instead of asking them questions, I start and like the, the person wants to know this and the person wants to know that the person that's having the reading. Instead I say, give me a moment. And this happens really rapidly. And, and what I say to the spirit is, hey, I get that you don't understand this or you don't believe in it. That's okay. If you were to believe it, or if this were your only opportunity to communicate with your daughter or your son, do you think that there'd be something that you'd want to (laughs) say? That opens the floodgates almost every time. It's like, well, yeah, but, and then they'll go do, 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 do. And then they start communicating with me. And again, that comes through vibration and pictures and images. So back to the very first time that, now, of course, I shared the Uncle Ralph time, but the very first time I more consciously um, spoke with spirit to actually elicit information about um, something that this person was going through. It was about, I guess, 10 years ago. And so this spirit was very strong and he was very happy and he really liked women. He liked to be around women and not in a perverse way, but so playful, so appreciative of the energy of a woman and a big flirt, but very appropriate, very kind. And it felt playful. And so when my girlfriend said, you know, sit here and talk with us, he did. And he talked. And she was so insistent and she's asked mediums questions before. So she just went, boom, full on. Like I'd been doing this, you know, my whole life. And it was basically my first time. 
She affirmed with me that a lot of the information, you know, I couldn't have known. And so she felt really good about the situation. And so I left. And what I didn't realize, unlike the Akashic Records, I have a lot of control over opening the records and closing the records. So when people are say, oh, hey, are you thinking what I'm, I'm thinking? Are you, um, are you looking into my energy field? I do not peek behind the shower curtain without being invited. And even then I don't peek behind the shower curtain, but it's an intimate experience being in somebody's energy field. And so I only do that if I'm invited in and I do it in particular ways that they're safe and I'm safe, meaning we ground ourselves and um, we, we spend our energy well because it's a lot of energy to do this. It feels differently. Uh, it feels like sort of running a marathon, only you feel physically different. This is an expensive energy in a different way, and you can feel it in your body. So when I left, guess who comes home with me? John. <laughs> yep, came home right with me. And you know, it was such a gift in the moment because I uh, I was going home alone. I, I was going through a divorce, and I was sad, you know, because my son would go with my husband on the weekends because during the week he was gone. So he didn't get to see his dad. And, but then I was lonely and I was, I was okay, but I was lonely. And so John was with me and we were laughing and talking and he just, he stayed with me. And to this day, it's been about 10 years and (laughs) I'm just seeing if he's here. I'm here. He said, so he still stays with me. It's, it's just a beautiful relationship that he and I have developed. And he's helped me at different times um, because I think he's such a strong spirit. So that's how that goes. And that's how it feels to read energy. This gentleman, uh, one day, you know, John, the spirit, who kind of stayed with me for a while, One day we went to my girlfriend's house. Um, I shouldn't say it was her house, her brother's house. And her brother really had cared for him um, in the end, you know, physically. He was the only boy in the family and he helped lift his body. I mean, he was just did everything for his father. So we walk in the house. I'm with my girlfriend and we see her brother and the spirit John comes in and he's crying And I hadn't seen a spirit cry before. I was like, everybody's happy over there, right? And he said, I'm not crying tears of sadness. I'm crying tears of admiration and joy for my son. He said, honey, he called me honey. He said, honey, you don't know what this young man did for me. And then as he said that, he remembered how he died on this earth. Because I don't think he was associated with that in any way when he would first come to me. Remember, he came as like a 30-year-old man in a tuxedo, little flirt. And this time, he showed me his old man self. And then from that point moving forward, he would only come to me as the end-of-life body. He didn't come to me as the young man anymore. And I think he did that for a reason. I just, I just think... He did that kind of to honor his son and his life, you know, the fullness of his life into his 80s, meaning John. So that's kind of, that was my first experience with mediumship. And you don't have as much control over if spirit comes or not. You can invite them in. Um, Most spirits usually stay with me a couple days. I usually enjoy them a lot. Um... I don't see them in a physical form like some people do, but yet I see them in my ethereal mind. And I also notice when you do medium work, it usually, it'll come in your left ear, like the the energy will come through your left ear. It'll come from the top of your head. Um, Usually it stays in the upper portion of my body when spirit comes in, but that's how I kind of know somebody's coming in. It's like, oh, I can feel that. I feel like something opening up, like an energy field. And um, again, that often happens when I'm doing my alignment work in business. So I also wanted to, I really wanted to start with this definition of mediumship and and I forgot But I do want to throw that in just as something that you can 
listen to and see if this makes any sense. So mediumship is the practice of communicating between the spirit of the dead and the living human beings. And then practitioners of this practice are known as mediums. And so that's the actual definition. But I hope I explained a little bit more about these wavelengths. We have a guest today, a very, very special guest, and her name is Mary Montgomery. And I'd like her to tell you a little bit about herself. And here we go. (laughs) Mary, would you do us the greatest of honors and introduce yourself to all of us? All righty. Um, Mary Montgomery, um, in my 80s, I've been married 59 years this year. Um, We have four children, all out of the nest now, and 10 grandchildren. And um, then I worked until I got married and had children, and then I was uh, worked from the home wherever I could. I would uh, watch children and maybe clean a house now and then. And then later in life, I went back to my secretarial skills and worked again. And now I just do volunteer work and go to the Y and try to keep healthy and in shape. Oh, wow. Excellent. Excellent. So when you worked in the past, you had, you said you worked secretarial in the past and then went back to it. Full circle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and four children, four beautiful children, and 59 years of marriage. Yes. How are you going to celebrate your 60th wedding anniversary? I don't know. I'll have to, you have to talk to my children. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to see Mary Beth today. So I'm asking. <laughs> we had, they had a nice party on our 50th. All the family was together and that was nice. So, yeah, we're blessed. Well, I know you have, I know your one daughter, Mary Beth, she's one of my best friends. And um, it was, I was so grateful to have the pleasure of meeting you quite a few years ago already now. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I remember you came to visit me one time. Um, I was speaking at the Fuge. And right, right, and that was in Down Warminster, yes. Yes, and you came yeah. over to see me, and it was so lovely to meet her, and um, she's very spiritual, and so um, I had placed a, an offer out to my mailing list about a Mother's Day mediumship special, and so my girlfriend, Mary Beth, said, oh, I think that's going to be really good for my mom. I'm going to get her that for Mother's Day, and I said, oh, well, thank you. But then the magic happened. I didn't realize how special this particular uh, mediumship adventure would be with Mary Montgomery. But I should have known better because she's a bit of a character. So, <laughs> so I want um, I want you to tell the listeners about your story. Okay, my story. Um... My mother and father got married in 35 or 36. So they were in, my father was born in 01. So he was 34 or 35. And my mother was about the same age. And they would have gotten married sooner, but she was the only girl in a large Catholic Irish family that had six boys and her. And the boys all got married. And she was at home with her mom who happened to be ill. So she was the caregiver. So when mom passed, then they, she felt free that she could marry. And they got married and my father had bought a house. It was a newly constructed house that I lived in all my life until I got married. And unfortunately, um, she had cancer and died when I was 17 months old. So I never knew my mother. And there were pictures. That's all I had was pictures. And um, my father remarried because he felt it was important to find 
a wife to take care of this child. And I had wonderful caregivers. Um, I think they were friends of friends of the family that, you know, pitched in. And he remarried when I was four. So I remembered, I don't remember anything previous to that. I remember being with my father a lot. He always took me places and he would read to me at night and he was a really good dad. So then uh, my stepmom, they had two children and um, life went on. So I had a brother, brother that was eight years younger than I was and a sister 10 years younger. Okay. Thank you for sharing all this. So I just want the listeners to take a moment to breathe because does, does this touch your heart? Like I didn't hear this part of the story and it, it kind of caught me off guard in my heart because I just can imagine, like I was just having these beautiful images of like you nestled into your bed with your dad and, and how your mom waited so long to start her life, you know, with, a man and and then you know bringing this sweet little girl into the world so it really touches my heart the whole story i didn't completely hear so let's move forward into the reading so there's where you were at the pause that we just paused at is you had a brother and a sister you were four years old when your dad got married and then life continued like everything was great and you had a family and you lived and you're married for 59 years and you have four children. And so you go into the reading. So you get this Mother's Day gift and the reading starts. So tell me what happened during the reading. Because first of all, I channel. So I don't always remember what is being said. I can still see some visual images because I can still see your mom in the kitchen because I do remember that. But I don't remember all of my language. Um, because sometimes I think my guides keep that for me, so it's intimate experience for you. So let's talk a little bit about what happened to you during that. Well, they seemed very excited that that, that we were connecting. And you had mentioned something, they're all rushing here. So it seemed like there were other relatives, maybe her, her brother and her sister-in-law, who I was close to. And... Um, it was just a, a, a happy day, you know, and I was just so glad to be able to connect. And I said, it must have been um, very hard for you. Now I'm getting old here <laughs> to have this newborn baby and then know you had cancer and you weren't going to live to see her through. Mm-hmm. And you, she assured me that she's been with me and helping me all through my life. And I said, did you help me find my wonderful husband? And she said, yeah, I did a good job, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, and your four children, I see my my grandchildren. I did a good job there too, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) So it's so nice. And um, I've been reading books. A friend of mine recommended a a near-death experience book. For, and some of them are just beautiful stories, and they vividly describe what heaven is like. And I thought, she is in such a wonderful place, and I know she's watching over me. I do remember. The, like, thank you so much. So once, um, once that wakes up in my memory, then I, I get to see again. So when you were talking, I remember seeing her standing in the kitchen kind of with her back towards what must have been through the eyes of your dad. Like I can still see this and I can just see him like coming behind her and giving her a big squeeze, but she was very loyal to the kitchen. It felt like a very comfortable place for her. So um, your daughter, Mary Beth transcribed everything. And I do remember her saying something about, I don't remember this, but her saying something about she liked to hum (laughs) <laughs> yes that's the first i heard and my father always hums <laughs> they must be humming together in heaven because 
that's all you would hear is no matter what he was doing, he would always like to, like at Thanksgiving, start chopping the onions and the celery, and he would be working at the table and humming away, no matter <laughs> what he was doing, humming. So Mary Beth said something uh, to me that maybe that was a way that he gently and quietly kept her alive in his heart without talking about her yeah that's what her that was her own intuition um was there anything that you learned specifically from the reading um about her that was like wow that that feels like her or i bet you that could have been no uh you were you said she was a good good in business and um I've always been very organized and, and good in business. And I, I thought, well, I, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Mm, that's excellent. So how did it feel? Talk about your feelings. Like right now, we were both emotional um, about talking about her. And I f remember feeling emotional during your reading. So do you remember what that was about? Because I know I was pretty teared up at times, but I don't remember why. No, I should. I, Mary Beth sent me the recording, and I listened to it once, and I should have listened to it again. She was going to send me the transcription. Zoom, right, and I, I, I've been waiting for that. And then I, it's just been a, a very busy week. I kept saying, my husband hasn't even heard it. I said, you never listened to the tape. <laughs> and there you well tonight and then something happens so um it'll bring it back i should have listened to it before today but oh that's all right that's all right yeah. would you recommend um would you recommend to somebody that they connect this way definitely definitely yes and the way it happened was um I had seen, you know, I'm your, on your email list, and I thought, that would be really, that would be a nice way. I know Candy, it's not threatening. I would believe anything that she told me. And I was already, you know, almost to the point, and then I thought, I'm going to ask Mary Beth. And then um, she was saying, what do you want for Mother's Day? And then she said, Mom, I'm going to get you that. So uh, that was wonderful. And I because it's what I really wanted. And then um, I said, why don't you come and, and listen to, this is your grandmother, you know, and, and, and she said, oh, that would be good. And then she called me the day of or the day before. She said, are you sure you want me on this? And I said, yes, definitely. <laughs> so it was nice. And she connected with Mary Beth's children or told Mary Beth about her children. And, um, that was nice, you know, that she, she knows them. And then I was asking about my father because they're both deceased. And he, uh, he came in and he said that he just would have loved to be with Trey and go fishing. Now, he didn't know, Trey, how much Trey loves fishing. But he was always fishing. And he just said, oh, we would have had so much fun fishing all the time. Oh so that... God. That was very touching. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. And then she said uh, a lot of my mother's um, qualities, skills, uh, Alexa has. You know, she's yeah. so uh, that was nice to hear. And she, she um, was reaffirming, I think, you know, mothers like Mary Beth would be worrying, and I think it put her mind to ease. And she has uh, someone watching over her in heaven. So it was very nice that, um, that she came in. And then I asked about my sister, who was my stepsister, and she was a little different in life, and she was 10 years younger than I am, and I was dating, and she was just, you know, just there. And... Um, I, I said I don't think I was too nice at times, Just being, you know, 10 years younger, sharing a bedroom and all that. And she said, I forget how she said it, but just it's, that's water under the bridge. Don't even think about that. So that was comforting. Oh, I love that. Thank you yeah. for that. 
Is there anything else that stood out to you? I mean, so many of these are such beautiful shares and I, I can really feel it in my heart, like how much healing might have happened in your heart just through this one connection. Yeah. And I, I just, I always felt, um, I, I, you know, I wanted to know more about her, but I never felt comfortable asking. And then in my later years, my, you know, within the last 20 years, I went and got in touch with all her brothers. Brother, yeah, brother, she didn't have any sister, all her brothers, and said, is there anything you can remember telling? Can you tell me about anything of your memories? And they said, oh, it's been so long, and I, I always loved Aunt Mary, but they, they couldn't come up with anything. But she was the youngest, and they were a big family, and, you know, quite older, so nobody could tell me anything. And then I can remember my, uh, my closest uncle, Art, and uh, Marguerite, I was close to them all my married life. And um, thing I tell you about. Oh, she was saying she always felt so bad because she thought the doctor should have realized something was wrong during her pregnancy. And she said we would go over and visit her. And she said we would be upstairs, and she'd say, "Will you, will you hold the baby? I'm afraid I'll drop her coming down the steps." Oh. So, Oh. I had a lot of people taking care of me, <laughs> but she was she was very close, very close to her, and it's nice. They were the memories that I would get in conversation, you know. But I, then I never even—I'm sure she would have known something, but it just doesn't come up. Or maybe I was afraid I'd get too emotional. Yeah, it's this is an emotional subject i know um after so when i do a mediumship reading sometimes people stay with me and the one thing that i do remember she showed me um she showed me how she said goodbye to you so is it okay if i share this with you now so I, I was crawling into my bed that night, you know, after I did your reading. And your mom's image stays with me quite a bit um, because I almost feel like she said she was the fortress of the sink, meaning she stood at a sink a lot of her life. Uh, the kitchen for her energetically, like I just feel like that's where she thought her whole life was, which if I didn't realize how many children she took care of before. Like I didn't see that in the reading, but she was showing me standing in the kitchen a lot, cooking a lot. And I think that's why she hummed kind of to keep herself going. But when she said goodbye, she asked for you to be put into her bed so she could hold you. And I remember her showing me that, that you were on her um, left side like I could see your dad put her in like your arms or her arms on this side. I'm sorry. This is, I'm bad with left and right on my right side, but I saw him putting you into bed and her pulling you close and you falling asleep. And then he took you and put you into bed. And then she mm. Gone shortly after that, but she would always try to hold you to put you to sleep because she knew she wouldn't be able to do that. I'm sorry, I'm emotional, but that was so beautiful to see how she held you so much. Like as sick as she was, like she she'd say, "Go get her and bring her into bed," and sometimes he'd have to do it when you were asleep because you were starting to get. You know, you were 17 months <laughs> old. Like, 17 months old, right? <laughs> you were like crawling on her head and everything else. So he, sometimes they'd wait until you were a little more asleep and then she'd just look at you. And I remember just seeing your face through her eyes and you were so beautiful. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, like, I don't know how a woman could deal with that, you know? 
and I just, I would see your face and your sweet hands. They were still pudgy, you know, like <laughs> I still had the, like the dimples and the knuckle and the little wristband of chubby and, and, and the peacefulness of how you slept. And I remember her thinking, she doesn't even know what's going on. Like your mom thinking that she doesn't mm -hmm. even know what's going on. And, and I have to leave her. And I do remember her saying, her showing me that she said, I'll never leave you. And she never did. Huh? She kept her promise. I'm sorry. I didn't, I forgot to share that, but it didn't happen until it after. Back, right. Well, thank you for sharing now. Yeah, but I just remember her holding you and holding you, and I and I thought to myself, a seventeen year old, seventeen month old baby, and she and the and she showed me now, like we often waited for her to sleep, and um, because that was when she could look at you, and she couldn't carry. She showed me that she couldn't carry you, which you know that would make sense, but um, yeah. So that's was that was so beautiful how much she loved you, and um your dad would lay with them too mm -hmm. you know, because not all the time because you know he gave her his peace he, he was so loving he was yeah. very gentle he was very devoted i saw that and i remember feeling that i don't remember what he said to you but i remember feeling that the devotion the loyalty the allegiance the love like it was mm -hmm. all there and then I remember him feeling a type of scared, you know, that he was going to, you know, men back then didn't raise children by themselves. Yeah, they went to work and that was it. But um, the family bond that, that was created even in the 17 months was amazing. You know, mm -hmm. it was just amazing what he gave you. So... Um, he, well, he is a great dad. He really <laughs> is. And, and, you know, for her allegiance and loyalty to, I, I don't know, honestly, what it's like on the other side. I've not been there recently. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see everybody uh, seems to have a choice uh, to stay with you energetically. And she chose that. Like oh, she's, okay. yeah, your guardian angel. My, it, it's just such a beautiful vision that mm -hmm. she stays with you always. And uh, you'll get to meet her someday. Somebody will be with her, though. Oh, your dad. Because <laughs> I was like, because she's not going to know you. Like, is she going to go? <laughs> but your dad said he will be the greeter and she will be there. So you'll see them and you'll see, you know. And his parents were, I was very close to those grandparents. Of course, I didn't, you know, her parents were gone. But, um, yeah, it was always... It was always close. And I, I, I don't know if you remember, but um, you, you said, oh, I see your father, and he's smoking a pipe. And he always would smoke a pipe. And you could smell cherry tobacco. Oh, did he ever use cherry tobacco? Once in a while. His, like I said, his favorite was Prince Albert. Maybe that was cheap. I don't know. <laughs> But once in a while, he would splurge, or I would get him something different. And, um, yeah, you could oh. smell him. <laughs> smell when he was around. <laughs> oh. So is there anything else that you can think to tell listeners as we're closing out? I mean, we can talk as long as we need to and as long as we want to. But I feel like, like if, is there anything that you would like to say to somebody who is missing a loved one, uh, your situation was quite unique because you never got to meet your mom to your knowledge. Right. Um, what would you say to people out there that might have either a similar situation or just they miss their loved one? Would you recommend getting a mediumship type reading? Oh, I definitely would. Just, you know, I just, I, I have friends that, even my cousin, uh, which is a cousin by marriage, but I can always remember, you know, with her sisters, they were Italian and they were from upstate. And and when the one one sister was dying, she was ill, ill in the hospital, and they, they were saying, I don't know about heaven. And I said, well, of course there's a heaven. And I thought how sad it is that people 
don't think there's, you know, an afterlife. What's going to happen? And it's so comforting to know that your loved ones are in a good place. And, and that's where we're all going to go. So I hope I get there. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell my girlfriends, if I get there, um, my ass will be smoking and my tail will be (laughs) wagging. (laughs) I always tell my friends, if you get there before me, get the bucket. (laughs) I'll be having a little smoke on it. (laughs) Oh, Oh. But it was wonderful, and I've shared it with some people. Some people, you know, they oh, I don't believe in that. And so, um, but I have told them, and they've, I picked the right ones because it, they were very moved. What did they say to you? The ones that oh, you this, I don't remember exactly. You know, this was wonderful, and just, you know, just so happy that, that I had that opportunity. So, that's beautiful. Yeah. Any last words of advice before we go? No, just thank you again. Oh, you're so welcome. Your story has just touched me in so many ways that I felt it was so important to share with my listeners and the world that when we heal our hearts from our past, no matter what our pasts are, And we understand and recognize that there is a future for us, even after here and this world, and that our loved ones stay with us all the time. They don't go anywhere, really, if you think about it. Yes, they're happily in heaven. Thank the Lord that there's a place to go. But it's so important to know that they're there and that they're safe and that they're happy and that they can have us. Yeah. yeah, that's the important thing. They are happy. <laughs> well, they don't. They're not coming back after that, or maybe they are. But it's well, they might. They they say you have a choice. You know, if you want to come back and do work on Earth, you don't have any memories of heaven when you do. But so whatever, we'll find out. I think you said something super interesting, and I'm not going to let that go un- untouched. As you said. You have a choice to come back here on Earth. What's your feelings about that? Oh, I, I think, I think it's up to the person once they get there. You know, in this, this uh, near-death experiences. What's her name? Mary Beth gave me the book I bet fifteen years ago, and a, a friend of mine just happened to be reading it. And she gave it to me, and I said, I read this before, but I, I don't remember a thing. But she was told to, she had the most wonderful experience, and it was only a matter of hours that she was gone. And um, she said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then finally they said, you know, you really have to because you have some more work to do. And at one time I had gone for a reading for something, and I asked how my father was or what he was doing. And they said, oh, he's very busy in heaven. He has a lot of work to do. So I was telling another friend of mine, she said, I don't want to be working. (laughs) I want to be flying around on a cloud doing nothing. (laughs) And that will be her purpose, to fly around on a cloud. And play, play her harp and make beautiful music. And they say the music... What we hear that we think is fantastic on earth is pales to what you're going to hear in heaven. I so. think that you're absolutely right. They say that at, that's the first thing that you start hearing music. Mm-hmm. The most sweetest music that you've ever heard in your ears. So, so I just, you know, I wish everybody would, a lot of people don't, you know, they. I guess I don't even know if they believe in the near-death experiences, but you know, there there's so many of them. I can't believe it. Not all of them write books, but um, it's it's just interesting. And I just like to hear get my descriptions of heaven. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of have a story for you since you said near-death experience. Is it okay if I share it with you? Sure. So one time, you know, Mary Beth and I, we would go to Rhode Island for our business coaching, and I would always go a day before, 
And, um, and so a lot of times Mary Beth and I would drive up to Rhode Island. And so this one time I flew in, I don't think Mary Beth was there this, this time. And I had this little coffee shop and it is the sweetest little coffee shop. It's super tiny, but, uh, the owner had redone like the chairs and stuff so that they looked very nautical. And the most magical part is this coffee shop has a big window and it out it looks over the dock. So when you're sitting there, you're watching the sailing ships and stuff like that. So it's kind of magical. And um, I flew, and when I flew, I had a driver, and he said, "Oh, what do you do? Like, what what's your business coaching?" And I said, "Well, I'm an uh, an intuitive." And he asked me about mediumship stuff, and I did say something to him about it. And he dropped me off at the hotel, and then he went to, to leave. And I went in, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I kept talking about this coffee. So I get my coffee and I turn around and he's walking in the, in the little coffee shop. And he has a really determined look on his face. And, and, but it's gentle. And he said, is there any way, you, would you mind if I sit with you while you have your coffee? He said, you kind of sold me on this coffee shop. And I'm like, best coffee in the world. Like, I don't even <laughs> like coffee. And I was talking about it. So I said, of course, please join me. And so he and I are sitting in, a, in a, these chairs that are overlooking the water. So we're not necessarily facing each other. We're looking out. And I think that was a gift for him because I could tell he was uncomfortable and he had something to say to me. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I died before. And I said, oh. And he said, I had a near-death experience. And he said, I had fallen. I think he was in construction, he said. And he, he broke almost every bone in his entire body. He said, they said he would never walk again. And about six to eight months after recovery, he had worked and worked and worked really hard and he had figured out like he was going to walk again. He said, I was determined. He said, I had a young daughter and I was determined I was going to be at her games and, and play with her and I was going to walk again. And he said, and I did, and here I am. He said, I couldn't do what I did anymore. And I said, but I want to hear about your experience. And he said, so he died. And he said there was this light. And he said he saw like a light purple doorway open up in the sky. And he started to go there. And he said, I went through the door. And he said the music that I heard was phenomenal. He said it was through the doorway. And he said, I got so far in and he said there was this light and this, he said there was a, I think he said it was his grandfather. He, he saw a being and it was his grandfather. And then behind the being that he thought was his grandfather was a source of some sort that said, you're not ready to come here yet. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're going to go back, but you're going to be given a gift and, and so he goes, he was shown the gift and then he came back and this is why he came into the restaurant. He said, I've never shared this with anybody. Oh my goodness. But I see death coming. And he said, there's a spirit that he sees. He said, it's, he said, it's kind of scary. Like if you would see it and he described the person to me, like it, it looked like almost like a cartoon. It reminded me, I'm sorry to say, but of Beetlejuice. Like it was, it, it seemed like this character that had a hood and he said the hood would go up and the person would walk. He'd see the face that was kind of not nice. The hood would go up and then he would walk away. And this, this thing that he would see, and he said, then I would know that that person or the people around me were going to die. And I'm like, oh, my God, did you come back in? <laughs> and tell me you saw it. He goes, no, no, no. He said, I just felt comforted around you. And I wanted to know, like, why this was given to me. And if you could tell me why this was given to me. And I said, 
I could see your strength and your personality and that you could handle this. And not all people could, but that it's also your responsibility to share this gift, to share this, this wor- these words that you died and you saw what a part of heaven looked like. You could see the light. You could see the being. You could see your father. You could see the music or hear the music. And I said, I think that you need to start gently talking about this because I feel like there's going to be a time coming that people need to know who you are. And he kind of got teary, you know, and he said, well, I thank you for having breakfast with me. And I thank you for letting me share this. And I'm, I'm going to go on my journey. And he walked out the door and I, I've never seen him again. How old was he at this point? Um, he was older. I'm 59. He was older than 59. I didn't, I don't know that I asked him his name, his age. So, you know, this near death experience had happened years ago, years past. Oh yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he had said when it was, I think he said 20 years ago, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he'd lived another 20 years. He was probably around 69. He was Mm -hmm. in his Mm sixties. Um, he, I don't think he was in quite his seventies and, uh, and he was a rather big, you know, burly dude. Like he was a strong, big guy, you know. And um, it was it was a, a very interesting story. So uh, I'm he, glad he found you. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that he felt comfortable enough. Like in this day and age, and this was before the pandemic. This was before you know everything that's going on in our world today. Um, so I'm really glad that he trusted that it would be okay to come back in to the you know because that would it was he was my uber driver it could have been kind of creepy but it it didn't feel that at all i mean the integrity and the gentleness like i knew he was a gentle giant in my heart i didn't feel any type of fear and even if i had which i didn't you know there was a person in the restaurant you know the person that was serving me and serving him so i didn't he did it very well he handled it very well so thank you for sharing (laughs) well thank you this was i love these stories Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, I appreciate your time. I really, really do. Well, if I think of anything, I'll jot you an email. <laughs> okay. That's all. I'll wear the same thing, sit in the same thing, and, and we can talk, and you could just edit it. <laughs> there you go. Like it happened today. <laughs> well, well, I like to- the memory isn't as good as it used to be. Well, you did an excellent job remembering things, and uh, I'm going to leave this as as authentic as it is because um, you can feel uh, in both of us how emotional, um, you know, the connection was very deep with your mom. She was very, very, very kind. Uh, I still, I do remember feeling so did she kiss us? She said, I gave everybody a kiss. She said that now. Did she give us a kiss before she left? She thanked me, and I feel like she gave me a kiss. Uh, and she's saying something to me. So we'll both have to look at the... <laughs> yes, we will. And, you know, when um, I'd be at funerals, and the, you know, I think the reason, too, is I would get emotional. That's why I never brought it up. Because people would come and say, oh, I knew your mother. And they would always say, she was such a, a kind, giving person. And I would just swell up. So I thought, I can't ask any questions. <laughs> but I, I felt her kindness. I think I just said that, too. Like, I felt it. You did, did. And that's what brought that memory back. Yeah, she, she was, was just very so kind. kind. And, and she was so gentle. It was almost like she... Um, you know, I'm, I still can connect really easily with her. She's, there was, it was almost like she knew she was going to have a window of time with you. It's almost like somehow in her heart, she knew her, her life purpose was to serve. I can tell you that. And she did it well. So, um, she's saying in, in this, in this ear right now, she's saying in my ear, she's like, don't feel bad that I didn't feel I had enough time. We had the proper time. Like it was exactly what was meant to be. As most things are, she reminds us. So she said, don't be sad for me. Don't be sad for the shortness of the time that she and I had together because on her end of it, 
she got to orchestrate. She had some, I don't want to say control issues, but she liked to be on top of things. Like she liked to be the one on top of things. And so this gave her more leverage about helping you in life as a mother. And she said, because I, I didn't abandon her. She said, I got to help her more. I believe that. Oh, she's so sweet. She is so kind. I just, I love to connect with her. So thank you for giving me the gift of your mother in this lifetime to be able to connect with such a lovely, lovely woman. And thank you for being a lovely You know, to Mary Elizabeth now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, I do remember. You have three. You have yes. three, Mary Beth. <laughs> yeah, Mary Beth. Oh, so that's why. Oh, my gosh. That's why, remember when she came through, I saw her head poke through the sunflower field. She's showing me. I didn't know. I didn't know that she was Mary Elizabeth, you were Mary Elizabeth, and Mary Beth was on the call. And do you remember how she came through to us? I do remember that. Mm -hmm. She right. her head through what? Mm -hmm. The sunflowers. Oh, my gosh. And that's Mary Beth's favorite flower. It is. It is. Oh my goodness. And then that was her favorite flower. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. Now and I remember you, that. And then you said something about um, begonias. So I usually have a lot of begonias, but I don't have too many this year. But when I water them, I think of her. <laughs> Mom, this is your favorite flower. One <laughs> <laughs> of your favorite flowers. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. Well, thank you for uh, coming back, Mary Elizabeth, on the other side. So yes. Came through. Well, thank you again, Candy. So welcome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Big mm -hmm. yeah. Thank Take you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.